Welcome back to another edition of the Wits Up Podcast. It is fantastic to see all of your friendly faces. In this episode, I dragged Cat Matthews out of bed at a ridiculous time in the morning. I think it may have been 7.30, 8am. I'm not too sure. Cat uh, Matthews is a self-confessed non-morning person. And any signs of her once being an age grouper have long gone. Forget like the incredible performances, you know, a sub-250 marathon. Forget all that. The biggest sign to me that she's no longer an age grouper and well and truly in the world of professional triathlon-ing is uh, the fact that she enjoys pro hours. No longer does Kat Matthews have a four or a five in her oil at the start of her alarm. Uh, so, yes, this, this was evident uh, in our chat. I'm joking. Well, I'm not joking. That is fact. She she did not enjoy or does not enjoy getting up uh, at stupid o'clock. But she was very good sport and she did it for us and all of our audience. So thank you, Kat. It was an absolute delight and pleasure catching up with you and getting to know you a little bit better. I met Kat in 2019, I think it was, at Ironman Western Australia, which was her first full distance as a pro triathlete. Uh, And then her career trajectory is off the charts since then, particularly during the time of of a pandemic. Uh, She, she, and I still don't think we've seen the best of her yet. Uh, So she's definitely an exciting athlete uh, to be keeping an eye on. Uh, With Kona, especially this year, if all goes ahead, it will be her first time uh, on the start line at the Ironman World Championships in Kona as well. So exciting year for Kat Matthews for sure. Please excuse this very brief interruption. I'm just here to say, if you are not already a Wits Up Patreon member, please consider signing up. It really helps us out and supports Wits Up to continue to bring you powerful narratives of women in sport. Just click the link in the description below uh, or just simply go to patreon.com slash Wits Up. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Wits Up. And I assume you know how to spell Wits Up. Uh, Okay, back to the podcast. All right, here we go. Welcome to the podcast, Kat Matthews. Do you say knee rye or are we just dropping that now? We're just dropping that now. <laughs> Get rid of it's, it. It's gone. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Kat Matthews, thank you so, so much for joining me. Um, I mean, it's pretty early there and I've already witnessed you yawning three times since we've logged into this chat. Uh, I'm guessing you're not so much of a morning person. I used to be so good at mornings and even the last maybe that yeah last two years of training full-time I've suddenly become an absolute like I just I'm rubbish I just yeah very sort of precious in the morning and like to be very slow I don't like I don't do early morning squad swims squad swims that's for sure I, I think it's the biggest difference from turning from an age grouper to a pro pro hours is a very real thing Honestly, I used to 
sort of get excited well I'm not I mean that's a bit over the top but <laughs> enthusiastic about setting my alarm for the sort of 5 15 and then I had my stuff ready and I was going to be in the pool by quarter to six you know I, like that routine was so fluid and I was in bed by nine and it was fine now I'm in bed by nine and I can't get up by eight like it's yeah <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, I, I got to admit, I've never been excited about setting the alarm for anything with a five at the start of it ever. Unless you're going on holiday because that's fine. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay, going to the airport. To like the airport yeah, 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 no, that's fair. I was like, what kind of holidays are you on if you're setting the alarm at five? <laughs> that's not a holiday. <laughs> um. Now, I, I want to ask you, have you come up with any um, any answer to the question that I ask you when you go to sign up? What have you learnt? Uh, what, no, hang on, what's the question? What have you learnt? What have you changed your mind about in the past five years? Did you come up with an answer? Except for that last one about getting up early. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, this made me really quite self-conscious of the fact that maybe I'm really sort of set in my ways already at 30 years old. Because <laughs> I, I honestly, I stood in the kitchen. I was like, I can't fill this out. I've got nothing. I've got nothing to give. I, I haven't. Ch- I can't think of anything I've changed my mind on. Honestly. <laughs> at 30. Wow. Things are going to, by the time you hit my age, you're, you're really going to be stuck in your way. <laughs> I have a lot of different influences who are quite strong opinions in my life. So I think I think I'll be influenced, but I'm not sure how much I'll I'll change. It's just sad. I want to change. I want to constantly change. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm I'm going to constantly challenge you from here on in to see if I can change your mind about something by okay. the end of this podcast. Okay. It'll probably be some kind of television or movie reference. That's pretty much where most of my conversations end up. Okay. All right. Um, now we, we've got lots to talk about, but I'm going to ask you a question, which I hope you know, you will know where it's coming from. Um, but anyone who's listening, who doesn't follow you on social media might think I'm a bit of an asshole. And you're like, what are you going to ask? It's, it's not a question. It's more of a statement. Okay. You don't look like a runner. Discuss. Are you saying that? I'm not. Um, so to be clear. No, I'm only messing. I'll explain if you yeah, want. Yeah, you explain it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You explain it to everyone. So um, I recently did a post on this uh, idea of being judged by the way you look as an athlete, whether it's normally it's in running. and But I had a lot of feedback to say it was also swimming and also cycling. And I think so, therefore, it's very pertinent in our sport. Um, I have have constantly seen this in my life and you could argue and some somebody did uh that then it's my problem and i i'm the one with the issue not the the sort of general perception of society but i do think that from the amount of feedback from the other side it's very relevant to a lot of people that often we even which is really interesting whatever gender or size whether you are somebody who is on paper or might somebody else might think you look like a runner you don't feel like your your aesthetics are good enough to label yourself as a runner or that you think that you're the perfect running shape um and we're not talking about weight because that's a completely different ball game I think we're talking about purely mm-hmm. aesthetics and I think it's really interesting and I wanted to raise my sort of personal story of it to try and just raise awareness I guess and 
that that nobody really thinks that they're the perfect body shape. And I think that's quite sad. And and the negative influence of that is that we tend to underfuel perhaps. And that could lead to issues of people mm. not getting into sport because they're worried about the way they feel rather than how much they enjoy the sport or getting big injuries as, as a kid or as an adult and therefore not being able to participate in any um, activity. And then if you think about health and general fitness, there's so many negatives. So I just think mm-hmm. something we should try and open the sort of bubble of what is an acceptable aesthetic as a as a person who does sport. Yeah, and it's um, and for those of you who haven't seen the post, and, and we shared it, which is why I felt very comfortable just throwing that question at you because obviously we love what you posted. You need to jump on. Uh, do you mind being called Cat? No, it's good. Okay. Um, yeah, you need to jump on Cat's um, Instagram and p- possibly other um, social media platforms and and just take a read through it, and then I guess take a look at the comments as well because, like you say, so many people have had similar experiences and it's it's crazy. I was chatting randomly to a photographer in New Zealand who is a um, an age group triathlete and some random person who follows her as a photographer said to her, you don't look like a runner, you shouldn't be wearing those tights or leggings or something like that. So even took it the step further. So not only saying that, then said they're not flattering or what have you and you so she just put it out to people and she's like, apparently I don't look like a runner. And then just like, I don't know, it's, um, yeah, I think it's it's obviously not just you. And that idiot who said it, it was just your personal experience and how you felt is clearly incorrect. I looked, I looked at their Twitter bio and they said opinionated old person, you know, or something like that. I was like, that's not worthy of a reply. <laughs> Correct. <Yeah>. Correct. <laughs> Move on. Uh, interesting. And it's, I mean, I think the other thing in our sport is it doesn't always happen, but the people who who know um, celebrate the fact that there are so many different body shapes who are performing at so many different levels in our sport. There is no, and it's across all sports, but let's just, we'll stick to triathlon for now. It Like it doesn't show anything. There's no cookie cutter um, person who's, before, uh, sorry, body type, that's performing well yeah and I think there is this idea that if you are you know uh, I'm going to pick a number eight to ten percent body weight and you look like you're eight to ten percent body weight which is very different um uh, you are a dedicated athlete you are dedicated in your life you put everything into triathlon and you're going to be the best you possibly can because you can do the underpants run and like prance around with all of your eight pack. Um, I can say that because um, that is not me. Um, <laughs> I think Thanks. I think that's the idea that like that's the dedication and commitment that endurance sport needs. And I just I think it's quite crazy that we feel like we need to show that as the commitment to the sport rather than like being as fit as, and healthy as you possibly can. And I'm not saying that if I lost another kilo, I wouldn't be healthy because I probably will still try and lose another kilo before Kona. But it's about if that person thinks they need to look like that, they're striving mm. for a goal that's not athletic driven. Mm-hmm. It's purely aesthetics driven and that's probably going to be a detriment to their athleticism. Um, yeah. It is hard when we do see a lot of professionals, understandably and rightly so, who are very lean because that is 
the absolute pinnacle of their professional, you know, it's their job, that 1%, and they need or want to be that lean because of the impact on their on their sport. But for the mm. average, and I'm talking average, I'm talking 99% of people, including some of the professionals, mm. it's not it's not the primary goal. The primary goal mm. is to be as fit as possible. And then if, mm. if you can reduce your calorie intake by 2%, whatever it is, over a month, you might start to get more lean but yeah that that is a byproduct of being the fittest uh athlete and performing at your best the rest is a is a byproduct that's how i view it yeah i want to ask and this is just welcome to my podcast i definitely go on tangents and yeah all over the place and this is just something that i was chatting with someone the other day um so sorry if i'm throwing you under the bus here but on the PTO um, stats website is phenomenal. Like, there's so much information, everything on there. I find it really bizarre that weight is on there under each athlete's profile, and I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Did you look at mine? No, no, it's not on it's there. Not there. <laughs> oh wow! Um, so interestingly, I hadn't really commented on this when the PTO asked for all of the details. The only thing I commented on was the fact that I was giving away a lot of personal detail about where I live and my my country of but my my town of birth. And I thought this is a personal um, passport mm. data issue, and that's the only thing I had an issue with because actually, oh. over the lockdown period weight has been so public that's like a whole lockdown period issue because mm-hmm. of swift and swift power so it sort of is irrelevant now but i my actually my dad messaged after i'd done that post on instagram have you noted that the pto um put people's weight up and i can see yours isn't there like you know kudos and i was like no it's not. i honestly i didn't re- realize that i hadn't put it on i just guess i didn't feel the need to share it on that profile site yeah um <laughs> Like I'd never hide it. It just it obviously fluctuates a little bit. So I just don't see the mm. point. I I think the general idea of that website though is to give somebody a, a rough picture of somebody's like shape. So if they're super tall or if they're super light, you know, you've got a rough mm. idea. I don't I don't think there's any negative in there because like I said, because it's so public on Swift now. But mm. I still just find it very bizarre though. I just Yeah, if you if you want to like look at the photo. I, th- that's just my opinion. I'm not. It's not that I'm offended about it. I just, I don't, I, I don't see it as any kind of valuable information. I want to find out about the races that you've won. Uh, what's your fastest bike split? What's your background? All that kind of stuff. Weight bears no meaning for me. Um, yeah. And I do think, and obviously, uh, throughout a season weight fluctuation like forget COVID and lockdowns and pandemics and whatnot and sourdough and banana bread or whatever um weight fluctuates and it should throughout the year based on off season on season you progressing as an athlete it I I don't know I just I I I personally find it bizarre I'd love to hear what other people have got to say yeah I mean like I said I don't I don't necessarily have a specific problem with that but mm. I yep. think weight's so individual anyway. It's like a re- like sort of irrelevant. Yeah, yeah, similar definitely. To pa- similar to power meters, like it's you could just put a number in there. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, hey, let's go back. The first time I met you, twenty nineteen, Ironman WA. Oh yeah, that was good. Yeah, 
was all right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it, fair to say, and pull me up if you think I'm speaking out of turn, but fair to say unknown uh, athlete at that time. I mean, in Australia, yeah. 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 No, that's, that's also fair. Um, then there's the, the pandemic. Um, but we have seen as an audience, as fans, you continually progress and keep, it's not, it's obviously not overnight, um, uh, success because there's so much work that goes into it, but we've really seen a great trajectory in your, in your very young pro career. Do you think that's fair? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> I, pride, I pride myself on that, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, I just hope, I hope that trajectory just does keep going. <laughs> <laughs> That's the plan, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously it will plateau at some point, but it's been quite fun to like. Obviously, it's fun to um to be in a sport where you just keep improving. So I'm I'm still in that three, four, whatever, five years down the line, and I just keep getting better. So that's fun, mm. obviously. <laughs> yep (laughs) except for swimming uh mate on the weekend kylie simpson won ironman cans uh asia pack champs with a 109 swim so you're sweet i I just saw your instagram videos it wasn't planned it was so good (laughs) uh super interesting um but yeah anyway so taking it back and we i've said to you um prior before we hit record that we won't talk too much about triathlon but I am interested in you know the beginnings of your career even going from age grouper to pro seemed like a pretty quick transition as well I'm just interested to know what gave you the confidence to go yep this is this is the direction I want to take um and this is kind of a loaded question because you know being part of the military and then saying right this is this is the direction i want to take there's there's got to be some things some signs and you know confidence to go yep i'm in yeah uh, i have never wanted to be a professional athlete i think that's really like important and and still now like i love it so much and i but i'm not driven by this like this is my career i'm driven by just getting better and performing mm-hmm. and like genuinely like this it's actually really like cringe if you know the British army because their hash like byline is like be the best but I, <laughs> I I genuinely just like just enjoy the the motivation and inspiration and therefore action cycle that comes from just being like getting better and better and seeing how good I could can be um so I think I've had that from the very beginning and it's never been, it's just about, oh, what's the next step? So is it an age group qualifier? Is it a world age group race? Okay, cool. Well, what do you do next? And then it was the British champs. And actually I, I was never planning on coming into the middle distance and long distance at all. And mm-hmm. it was only that I had the opportunity to work in Canada for four months with the army as a physio that I couldn't do the British standard distance age group race, which I've been training for really hard. And there was a 70.3 in Calgary. And I was like, well, I might as well do that. I had the weekend off and I could, it was two hours from the military base. And so I went to do that just on a sort of whim with a couple of other mates. And we had a great weekend. And I think that was when I realized that middle distance and long distance, there was this like unlimited pathway of opportunity that you could just keep going. Like there was no selection. There was no 
barrier it was just like if you're good enough you can race professionally you know you can race at the absolute top irrelevant like there's, there's nothing in your way so I think I found that really cool because as a kid I'd been stumped a little bit by selection policies because I wasn't good enough and it was never it was like team sports so it was a, never like I never had that like I can just put in just a little bit more it was just like no you're not good enough and it was like okay cool um yeah right so I think I think for me, it's still about that. Like every step of the way, age group to pro, I just thought, oh, well, I'll race these age group races. And if I'm good enough, British Triathlon will give me a license. You have to come within a couple of percent of the professional winner. And it was mm-hmm. my the first race that season in 2019 that I came, I think it was like 1.4% behind Emma Pallant, who mm-hmm. in my head, I was like, yeah, but it's just one race. And then I had all of this input say, yeah, but it's Emma Pallant. And it's one, <laughs> and it's one percent. You know, it's not seven point four percent because the the cutoff was like eight or something. You came mm. like a few minutes behind Emma Pallant, and she's she's podium at the World Champs. You know, like this sort of, you, mm. you should do this. Um, and I definitely had like the coach, my coach I had for the first three years, uh, Damo Littlewood. He's a Kiwi. He um who lived in England, but he was like when I was in Canada that that year, I said he was like you have the potential to race professionally I was like yeah a good one like screenshot sent it to my mate um (laughs) and and I also met my husband uh like a few years ago as well and he was into triathlon I think there's been a lot of influences who've just been like yeah you are good enough why not why not why not and there's definitely been a lot of people saying and like you know strong people saying yeah but you know why don't you just stay as an age grouper and sort of you know win the world champs and then but it all that sort of stuff and I think it's just been about why like why not why not give it a go the same for Ironman like I was like yeah well it can't be that bad I'll give it a go um and the full-time thing with the army just naturally happened at such good timing and so um before I raced the age group race that qualified me for my pro license I'd applied like three months before because my boss has suggested it basically um that I applied for the full-time sports job within the army so I would transition from my physio job which was full-time physio to full-time sport and it just coincided with the I think it was like two weeks before I raced the that age group that changed to professional qualification I had been granted the year for full-time sport irrelevant of how that race went and so I went into it thinking like you know come on I can do this and so I could I came out of it I could make the decision to race professionally and turn full-time so it was very good timing as well I I feel like that's almost and obviously things fell into place but it's you allowing them to fall into place and just saying all right let's go let's go with it and allow yourself those opportunities because some people are closed off to opportunities but it doesn't sound like you are at all yeah no I I appreciate that I think I think you're right it's not I don't really believe in luck and I think that you I mean there is some luck but I think that yes I created those opportunities and I planned that race and I planned to apply and I I could see the timelines and and it was yeah but I also really didn't think that I would get this uh, job role because the army really focuses on the Olympics and obviously long distance triathlon isn't a national governing governed sort of sport in in England um it's just Olympic distance but because it all it all worked out I I did get lucky with some um 
personalities knowing the sport which really helped my application yeah 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 so so you were given that that role or allowed to have that role for a year yeah then after that year what happens so it's like any other job in the army you basically sit on a jobs board and it's selected um across a panel of people I think it's like six people it's the same for any job and basically it's just select on performance and there's obviously some um points for media you know for recruitment and retention um and there's points for performance and it's all just then it can we fund this person to stay on for this sport so then you you can reapply so I reapplied for another six months and then I reapplied for another six months and then in October I'll I will be reapplying and Ah. very open to the idea um now like they can see where I'm at performance wise that I want to do full-time sport for you know this the short-term future at least and they're on board with genuinely making everybody in the army like the best they can be as a person and therefore they're the best they can be for like the team and therefore the bigger army so there is a really nice piece that I'm able to communicate with the physios who are working day to day in what I'm learning in elite sport and sort of chatting to them and also I obviously draw a lot from them in terms of how I'm you know I learn as well and um put into practice in myself with physios also wow so I never knew this about the excuse me about the about the army I don't know if you know is that similar across like would that be a similar thing in Australia do you think I don't know about Australia I would have thought yeah. so but I know it is yeah. quite common in Europe um and it's actually can be more common so in the army there's only 10 mm-hmm. spaces across the entire I don't know 80,000 people um to be full-time um which is not very many in the in the air force for example there's lots more um right. it's just sometimes people are managed to be supported in sport rather than it be their job role but then that gets a little bit technical and right yeah but I don't know. Like, yeah, this is all new learnings to me. I I appreciate the the insight. Um, yeah, right. Do you think? Oh, sorry. I think there's there's been professionals in the sport before who have been similar. Um, I can't name them. I've just sort of <laughs> seen 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 snippets of it and thought, oh, maybe they maybe they're in the same boat. But I don't think they're um, they haven't maybe sold it in the same way. And I, I'm mm. just just happy because I am like proud to be in the British Army and like supported by them that I'm happy like I want to be an army athlete because it like it's part of who I am as an athlete that makes sense so I think I don't think it's that abnormal I think it's just not necessarily um being advertised in the past as much don't know yeah you can't you're kind of like a spoke spokesperson type of thing right is that yeah 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 I guess so and I I do yeah. appreciate that I am like oh look she's in the army if I join the army I could do what she's doing and yeah. I and I and I do if anybody asks I'm very honest about the idea of like how the army progresses from <laughs> grassroots which is its focus like participation to elite sport and there are only 10 of us and there's thousands of people who but the opportunity yeah. is there if you're looking at olympic games basically yeah right but in the same breath as well and 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 I'm not I'm not bringing this down to just a sponsorship but in the same breath like there's 
only so many sponsorships available, like bike sponsors available, and only a certain amount of athletes can get those. So, like, there's always – I just had never really looked at looked at it like that. I find it quite interesting. But there's – there. Um, I feel like what's missing a lot with sponsors is the um, two-way street, whereas it sounds like with the Army, it is very much about giving back – to each, to each other like you, you're both in a supportive kind of role you're taking your learnings back into the army and they're obviously supporting you that's the way I'm sort of reading it yeah uh, definitely I mean yeah. I'm not just saying this but I see all of the <laughs> partnerships that I'm in at the moment be it army or whether it's uh, professional mm. equipment and team management I see them all as two-way and I think when they're not oh, two-way they're not healthy yep absolutely but, Absolutely. So media appearances are like ticks in the right box for the army. So this is going to get you lots of points being on the Wits Up podcast, I assume. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure, but I am, and this might only be relevant to those in the UK. I am doing a presentation I got asked to by the Royal Chelsea Pensioners, which is like this super cool thing in England. So that's like a good tip. Anyway, I'll let you Google that. (laughs) I will Google it. Um, And I'll also be contacting the army saying that, you know, it's kind of a big deal to be on the Wits Up podcast. It's kind of a big so, deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to ask, so, and you've said this a few times, You, one of the reasons you love triathlon is you're pushing yourself to be the best that you can be and that's obviously kind of aligned throughout the Army. Do you think that's something that you've learnt from the Army or that's always been instilled in you since you were young? Um, I think it's been instilled in me since I was young. Um, yeah. I think like I always did sport as a kid and it was very much like for fun, uh, but I was also good at it. So it was also for co- competitive reasons as well, but it was never a, like you have to do this. It was always my choice. And it, if I wanted to, I knew that that would be good for me. It wasn't good for anybody else. So I think, yeah, it was definitely something I learned as a kid that if you, if you want to achieve something, you sort of work at it. Um, yeah. And if you did work at it, you got better. It was a really nice balance of reward and out, you know, outcome. And I think I have used the skills through the army to like keep going with that. It's, but it hasn't changed um, that sort of core mentality. Yeah. And what sports were you playing? So I grew up playing like field hockey, like hockey, um, mm-hmm. just not ice hockey for the Americans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was going to say we. Yep. Just field hockey, we know that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from age five, and it was a local club, and it was the best thing ever. Uh, but yeah. I also did cross country at school. Um, I did do swimming lessons, which moved into swim coaching two or three times a week um, up until age sixteen. And then I also played basketball uh, and tennis and squash and basically anything but it was mostly I guess swimming in the background it was just like a social thing I did it wasn't ever about right. being any good um <laughs> and then cross-country running and hockey were like my proper passions that I then sort of continued I guess with university how did how did you go because I'm a team sports background and I never thought that I'd be involved in triathlon because I just I never I had zero interest in in individual sports um I always I, I I loved winning a game and knowing that the rest of my teammates felt exactly the same as me like I, I really enjoyed 
um, celebrating with my teammates. Uh, and so that's why I found it bizarre at first when I got into triathlon because obviously it is, it's very social and you do celebrate highs and lows with your, your mates. But how did you find that transition over from team sports to to solo? I, th- I think I, I always had both, so I never had to yeah, transition. Okay. Um, yep. I know what you mean and it's so different. But mm. actually I think I... I got just a complete yeah I think it's just completely different the 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 feeling of team success and that individual success but mm. like I said with the army and my uh, sort of professional team at BMC I utilized that as my team success so I genuinely feel this this team like uh, you know grat- gratitude and and for me I guess it is external motivation that they're they're proud and happy with my performance and therefore we did this together mm-hmm. I'm definitely not a, like we raced I raced but <laughs> like we achieved something really quite good like that's my team success I like I think that's there's a t-shirt in that I raced but we achieved something <laughs> I, I, there's something in it I can sense it I love it <laughs> <laughs> so so is it fair to say that you were naturally talented as a as a kid I guess doing all those different sports there has to be some amount of natural talent yes I think that's fair <laughs> I think um in like cross-country running it was never something I trained at as a kid as in nine ten years old but by the time I was always good enough to be doing it and then obviously I trained and I was much better but yeah I think I was always fit and active and I obviously I assume that comes from genetics that like my parents were both very active my dad was a very good runner um my grandma was a world champion in orienteering age group at age 80 legend in Get Australia out, actually out. yeah um at age 80 serious she what a rock star res- res- respect she's awesome um and so wait wait, I, wait 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 sorry I need to find out more about this sorry so she's 80. She's doing orienteering, which is obviously not just about fitness. It's about keeping your ticker. No, ticker is your heart, isn't it? Keeping your brain ticking over Yeah. as well, right? Yeah. So my dad got into it, obviously, with the military. And so he then got her into it. And so, yeah, age group level, she won her age group. I don't think there were that many people in the age group, but that's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the start line at age 80 is so cool. How many cases so cool. do you cover in that? Honestly, I don't know, but I think it takes like normally they take about an hour to an hour and a half, and that's if you're running though. I think she might have been a bit slower. <laughs> it's power walking her way through it and jogging. Yeah, but fun Do you get fact, that yeah, oh. tell me, love fun facts. My, I mean, it's not that fun maybe for some people, but uh, my <laughs> great 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 grandpa was the founder of the first running club in England, which is quite cool. So like, it's definitely in the genes. Yeah. Thames yeah. Hare and Hounds. Wow. What's the name of it? Thames Hare and Hounds. It's Thames. a London base. Yeah. That is really cool. So what did your parents do? So they were both active. What did they do? Dad was in the um Royal Marines as an officer for 32 years. Like he joined straight from uni on a yeah, he absolutely loved it the whole time. Um and now he works in lessons exploitations with BP. Um basically a job that he was sort of doing at the end of his military career. And my mother she actually joined the army um as a teacher but 
when she was in, you had to leave before you had kids that like you weren't allowed to be pregnant in the army. Um, so she had oh to leave to have my older brother. I know, outrageous. And it was only a couple of, couple of years later if she could have waited. But she, um, she actually, they met doing modern pentathlon, which is, you know, the five sports like shooting, horse riding, running, swimming. So That's such a Brit thing, isn't it? It, it just <laughs> I don't think it's a thing anywhere else, right? It's, it's really. an Olympic sport, so it must be. Well, yes, no, I'll take that back. Um, <laughs> yes, I would definitely take that back, but it's certainly not anything that was available to me growing up. And me neither, even though my yeah. parents did it. <laughs> That's yeah. Pentathlon blows my mind. Like it just, hang on, talk me through it. Horse riding, shooting, so, a gun. Yeah. A gun, yeah. Uh, fencing. Yeah. Um, yep. swimming and running so it's someone described it on a podcast I was listening to they were like yeah it's like it's basically the military thing so you'd arrive on horseback you'd have to you know shoot somebody you'd have to get off shoot somebody <laughs> fight them with a sword then there was a river so you'd have to swim across it and then run to get to I don't know wherever you'd have to run to I think that's where it originated from <laughs> all it's I can bizarre. imagine is a cartoon person doing that like and then they get points like Super Mario Kart um <laughs> yeah, but in terms of skill sets, sorry, we've really gone on a tangent now. Um, we can thank you, Gran, for this. Gran? Nan? Gran? Uh, grandma. Grandma. Um, in terms of skill set, like I feel like those five sports together cover everything that you need in terms of s sport. The only thing that might be missing is flexibility. I don't know, like gym <laughs> gymnastics. Like maybe they need to, I don't know. But like they talk. And I, I don't know enough about it, but things like archery and shooting, it's about trying to keep your heart rate as low as possible, right? So the complete, complete opposite to what, although you probably want to keep your heart rate as low as possible as well, but, you know, you're doing cardio, so it's going up and up and up. And then throw in a swim and it just, to be good at that is impressive, yeah, I agree. And I don't know that much about the sport and I probably should seeing as that's how they met. And, but um. I think there's that, a, there's a love a, story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't uh, know how they met. I don't know how my parents met. It's really poor. I should. All I do for a living is ask people questions, and I don't even know how my parents met. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Carry on. <laughs> I I think I what I like about it, and that transfers to triathlon as well, is that there's it's not just physical effort. There's a lot of control discipline thought process and some people mm. see triathlon as just effort but if you want to do an Ironman well right like there's so much more to it than just going hard for eight nine hours I think yeah I really believe that that's a massive part of it that people get wrong all the time like the planning and the executing of the plan I, could, I couldn't agree more and I feel like that that's probably one of the biggest letdowns um in terms of Coach, and I'm, pro I'm talking more age group stuff here, um, coaches just um, prescribing swim, bike, run, go and do miles and Ks and Ks and Ks and Ks and not working on those other finer details that can really s step you up as an athlete and, and help you avoid making some major mistakes. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we talked about the trajectory that I had shown mm -hmm. that Probably 80% of that, as in the the planning and the preparation side of it, is due to my husband, Mark. So I, you know, he would help me how to work out how much water, how much fuel, where to carry it. He'd then fit that 
on my bike you know like down to the detail mm. so I had a had a lot of help with that especially for my first Ironman Western Australia now I'm a little bit more like no I want it like this no I want it like this and he's like I don't think so <laughs> <laughs> it's more of a discussion I, now I, I like, oh I like it <laughs> so earlier you said that you you've only been together for a few years is that right how long ago did you did you me four four and a bit yeah four i think four and you've been married now. for how long uh a year and mm. a half year and a half we were so you knew uh, oh yeah mm. we actually met doing triathlon um so you you're actually just a massive tri geek really aren't you that household I just hide it very I try and hide it. We we work hard to hide it. <laughs> I think through you. Yeah. I think through it. <laughs> we're actually we're actually really like I think really balanced in our lifestyle and we don't get too weird like weird and triathlon either. It it doesn't become all encompassing, which it so easily could. Um, especially mm. when you live it as a you know, as a lifestyle, as a job. Um so yeah, no, I I knew, and he's great, and we're we're great, and we actually got married just before lockdown, which was amazing to be able to give everybody the party that they could remember for that whole period as well, which was brilliant. Oh yeah, oh um, yeah. So it was you just really gave after, a big, big yeah, party. yeah, yeah, it was so good. So yeah, it was actually the month before Western Australia, and so I had a couple of weeks at home because Mark was on a course and then we flew out to Western Australia, had a weekend in Perth. It's like our, our mini moon, then did the Ironman and then had our three weeks honeymoon over in the west, the east coast of Australia. So it was quite good. Oh, where, where did you go on the east coast? Um, so my aunt lives in Sydney. So we sort of based ourselves with them mostly. Um, but yep. we went down to, um, oh, goodness, oh, Melbourne. Love it. So, sorry if if you don't or <laughs> I live in Melbourne so oh. I'm okay with that <laughs> loved, loved it absolutely loved yeah, it it's so awesome Mark's brother had lived and worked there for a couple of years and so it, you know cricket like life's a family like yeah it was just very cool really liked Melbourne all that time of year as well like there's a, there's a lot happening yeah I mean yeah. we I want to say that we really thoroughly embraced the countryside but we probably thoroughly embraced the brunch spots and the bars more <laughs> That's what Which, Melbourne's about. Yeah, I mean the whole East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you're on your honeymoon. That's um, honeymoons aren't about countrysides. It is absolutely about brunches and rebooting for the pub that afternoon. Yeah, I mean it was a bit of a shock coming straight from that. I think I had one week less than a week at home, having spent three weeks of solid um, gluttony, to then going straight <laughs> on my first ever professional training camp with BMC and going back to the conversation we had about how you look and and obviously it is an issue for me I was I was very nervous <laughs> oh wow and you're yeah. still really like at this point in time you're so new to the world of professional triathlon and then oh gosh and that must have been spinning you out like a team photo shoot with James Mitchell and I had not been eating well for a month and I was like oh this is awful <laughs> I remember I think Emma Pallant was making Shem joke about like we were having really good banter this is not a you know that doesn't that sound like um yeah about you know showing off the ribs or something and I was like how about the belly <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was good fun it was a really good camp actually 
Oh wow! So clearly, clearly, you get along with your your, your teammates, and um, they've got a good crew together. Oh yeah, I shared a room with Chelsea Sodaro, who I was a bit nervous about to start with, obviously, um, but incredible, incredible person and incredible athlete. And seeing her having a a baby over lockdown and just like the inspiration of her wanting to come back to the sport so soon is I've drawn a lot from that even though I have zero interest in kids like it's been really good to see so much so many people being honest on social media over lockdown yeah it, it is good um it, zero interest in kids is that like your blanket statement so people don't ask you or is that because <laughs> that's it, how I used to approach it today I have zero interest in kids okay got it yep no, and that's completely fair. The, yeah. The the reason I say that is, uh, and because we were just talking about getting married, at our wedding, I said at the end of my speech, if anyone asks about kids, you're getting kicked out by security because <laughs> I'm not just, I'm not interested. Um, maybe one day and then eventually that day came, but I, I was 37 when that day finally hit. I, I didn't know whether it would. Um but yeah, I liked it. You clearly were just like, just shut that down. Not interested in that. Don't even go down that. <laughs> yeah. I, like I don't plan like years and years ahead of time. Like I said before, I just sort of take the next step and that's not the next step. So it doesn't cross my mind of things to like decisions to make. And and that clearly, and that's, I mean, this is right back to the start of our conversation. That clearly is what works for you because you, obviously there's a certain amount of planning that you have to do um, as a professional triathlete, but being flexible and open to opportunities doesn't work for everyone, but that it's really clear just from our chat today that that, that works for you. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it seems to be going okay. <laughs> I think relating it to like day-to-day life as well, like you say, I think I'm very much as an athlete and then as a sort of coach mentor that there's not one right way. And so if you make Mm. these bigger, bigger plans or, you know, even two weeks of training, like it shouldn't be that that is the right way. And if you can't hit a session or you need to reduce a session because of a slight niggle, you shouldn't just try and hit it anyway. You should, we, you know, you or we should try and, just adjust and adapt and I think that's Mm. then the right way the the path that was there is no longer the right one Mm. and it's now a new a new best path so I guess that helps with with sport and training in general massively and and racing over an iron distance you can have the perfect a a plan but let's be honest over eight nine hours of racing that there's usually something that goes wrong so you yeah. need to be able to flexible to 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 work with other plans. Yeah, and actually, that's what I got most um, reward from for myself from Ironman Tulsa. Because um, mm-hmm. yes, I had a best plan, you know. And then you think, and I spoke to Mark about it before. I was like, I don't want a best plan. I know what that is, obviously, you know. Duh. <laughs> but I want <laughs> I want to create these like negative plans in my head that if this happens. How am I going to feel about it? So I'm not in the race thinking, oh, that's it, done. I haven't done the plan, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. I didn't expect to have a rubbish swim, but I knew that that was a possibility. And so mm. therefore I was like, I might have to work hard to to find a pack or a group that I want to be with. Um, and so I already had this plan in my head that I was going to go over and out of my comfort zone on the bike in the hilly section of the first half of the race and so then when I had to do it it wasn't 
an effort. I then found mm. the group. I definitely didn't plan on getting a penalty. Um, but oh, I gosh, then I forgot about that. Yep. had a lovely conversation with the, te- the uh, referee. Oh, was it lovely, bit, was it? It went a bit like, me? <laughs> what? um in that very pleasant tone Mm -hmm. and um and after about 10 seconds of this conversation it changed to okay cool well where's the penalty tent where's the next one have like because i i knew there was one on the course for example anyway found out that it was before t2 the next one and i was like sweet i've done this before i get a little rest before the run no problem i'll just go hard on the bike and then I'll have built up a buffer. I was just creating all of these different plans. Again, couldn't drop Kim and Sky. So I was like, oh, well, that's that plan gone. I'll just have to come into transition with them and then be five minutes behind them. But can I run five minutes into Sky? I was like, maybe. So I'll try that. You know, it's just this constant like adjusting of what the best case scenario was. And I think I still thought, oh, well, I could still get third. And if I run down Sky, then I could get second. That's cool. But yeah. See, I love this because there's the, the amount of conversations that you ha- you had in your head all day, obviously hundreds. So when people say, oh, she's only five minutes and one second behind Daniela, th- it, that doesn't actually, that's not, it's not factual that that costs that because there's such a flow and effect with every decision that you make. You put, not probably, there's a good chance you couldn't have run a 249 or you wouldn't have run a 249 because you didn't have all these other things affecting this. And like, there's just, it's just not as simple as looking at the finishing line times is what I'm trying to say. I completely agree. And no mm. part of me, so many people have said, yeah, but five minutes, one second. Oh, and I'm like, no, it's not like, that's not a factor. That's not the race that happened. Um, you absolutely mm. agree. You can't just take off the five minutes as much as it would obviously be nice to. What it what it did do, and I think that um, I probably would have run something similar, actually. Um, okay, sorry. Sorry. No, no. <laughs> so many people have commented, but I've come to the conclusion mm. that if you were going to run that much better at that stage in the race, everybody would be having rests in T2. Like, it would be uh. worth the rest. So you might run maybe a minute slower, uh, faster yep. or slower, but I don't think it would have impacted on that that run performance as a whole. And I think the other thing that it, it did do, irrelevant of the, the time itself, the seconds, is that it, it made me realise that I did have the I I do have the capacity to race Daniela, not mm. just be in the same race as her. Which I think I went into that race just ruling out the you know second is the best outcome here right I ruled did, out first yeah it wasn't did you really oh I like that honesty yeah yeah they, like but, honestly it wasn't even crossed my mind that I would even be competitive with Daniela yeah right and now that's changed it, there's a little spark I'm not sure it's like changed yet I'll work on it <laughs> <laughs> I like that though I like I like the honesty um yeah, I like that. But I think, well, let's keep going with this this trajectory and then look out. Kona, here yeah. we come. Kona's very <laughs> different, isn't it? I'm not naive. I'm not naive. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I want to go back to 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 your parents and, and you've already alluded to this that that there's a genetic 
or probably a whole bunch of genetics. I don't know how it works, but all sorts of different genetics going through the bloodline, um, which has given you some natural talent, but obviously you've worked very, very, very hard. Out of mum and dad, who who do you think you, you lean more towards? Oh, I've, I'm like, I'm really invested in uh, psychology on a, on a mm. non-academic level. And okay. I've, I've read a book recently, I can't remember what it's called, but it like really made me understand how much my mum gave me without actually um, like seeing the input as a kid, but really mm. realising just how much emotional support had an influence on on me now in terms of my confidence and taking opportunities because I think if you'd asked me a year ago I would have just said like in sport it was always about my dad Um, he was the one who I wanted to impress he was the one who you know I wanted at the cross-country race at the finish um, because he was he outwardly was more passionate about it but I think Mm -hmm. I have this really great story actually uh, and um, and maybe I th- I see it as like a key. We were I used to run with my dad a lot as a kid, and he would always sort of prance alongside, and then maybe run a bit further afterwards as well. But um, we came back from one run, and he he just scoffed a Mars bar straight away, and I was like. I don't I just don't understand you know Aggie teenage girl I don't understand why you you've just eaten all of the calories that you've just burnt and he was like yeah but I'm not trying to burn calories I'm trying to get fitter and I was like Boof, you know mind blown <laughs> and um and because obviously as a teenager I went through these phases of like oh no I'm going to be good with my weight on I'm not going to be good with my weight and my mum was such a good influence on on that side of thing in terms of just like we've gone right back to food here yeah, but in, t- but in terms of the um, take away the food side, in terms of the the sort of the the emotional support, like they were both really vital. They had completely different um, roles in that. I think. Like another story, I went. I was so many times would I sort of go, oh, I can't be bothered to go to hockey, or I can't be bothered to go to swimming, and my dad was like, okay, like fine. Yeah, you know, if it was like twice in one week, he'd be like, "Well, we are paying for this, so can you consider whether <laughs> consider whether you want to continue?" I was like, "Okay, fine." But then it was like, "Actually, I do want to go," and he was like, "Okay, I'll take you." Like it was always my choice, which was again just massive. Yeah, it it's interesting. How old are you? are thirty. Yeah, yeah. I think, and maybe that's because obviously you have this interest in in psychology, and you and you read up on it. Um, and I don't know. For me, it, it's it takes it's taken a long time to be able to recognize those kind of things that you learn as as a kid. And still, every day I'm learning. And even with my grandparents, maybe because I don't know. Maybe because I've had Frankie, and now I I've got more of an interest in invest invested in her getting to know my mum and my grand that I'm starting to get to know them a little bit better as well. And then I start to recognize, oh, that's that's where some of my personality comes from or these are the kind of things that I've learned. I think at the age of 30, that's a really valuable lesson for you to be learning. Yeah, I I guess so. Like I just find it really interesting. And Yeah. Have you, have you told your mum? Does she know? Um, I do let her know. She's yeah. so – she's the most humble person I know and she would sort of shy away from any comment. I have to sort of say to her sometimes, did you – 
did you read what I sent you or like did do you understand how important this is and she's like yeah 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 do you want a cup of tea um so interesting I, I think she she really does value it she just would never be able to be like I'm so happy you told me that because it makes me feel good. She, it would just make her feel good. And I know that. So, And yeah. leave it at that. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. And so you've got an older brother. Is it just the two of you? Uh, two of us. And then my parents actually had, there was 10 and a half years between me and my younger sister and brother who are now 18 and 19. Yeah. Which is cool. And your parents are still together? They still, they have raised my brother and sister together. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and they are the best kids. And and when we talk about kids, like I, we were having this conversation with some friends the other day who've got young kids. And like I was, I was 10 and a half. I was 11 to 14 as a girl. And I yeah. had babies at home. Like my brother and sister were growing up. Yeah. And so I feel like I've, I've got a little bit of the maternal thing done. <laughs> um, and they're just brilliant. They're both brilliant. Wow, that's so interesting. So, you, okay, so they're like, would you say 18, 19, 19, 20, around that? What kind of stage are they in at the moment? Are they looking at you going, oh, this is this is direction I can take. There's the army. There's like, how do you think that relationship works now with them? Oh, I don't know. Um I think they look at me and see opportunity, but they Ooh. don't look at me and think, um, oh, I want to do that. Because they, they, neither of them, like uh, my sister, she's doing uh, like law and politics and she's, you know, she stands, like she's, she's very different to me. And, but she's done, she's doing her black belt in Taekwondo and she's on like this sort of, um, you know, the, um, she would go cycling if she wanted to. Like she's, she's very very strong and then my brother right. is like just into t- probably a bit more like me personality wise maybe but he's like he wants to do economics and he's focused on business but he loves going to the gym and he loves playing rugby so it's like everybody's just very different and my parents obviously are just so good at, at like raising individuals rather than thinking mm-hmm. oh look there's Kat she's done really well like why don't you consider the military it was never about yeah. that it's always like you could do any anything you guys choose that's the parent I want to be just (laughs) but you know provide provide opportunities without I don't know provide opportunities and guide but without driving you know just yeah that's that's yeah that's the kind of parent I think I want to be um yeah interesting and and your older brother yeah, he's he works in London and he's like he is actually at the running club that I mentioned um that my grandpa my my great, very, great, great, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he loves that. Um and he's he's like again not like me at all. He's studious, a bit risk averse, um, but he's just a lovely person. So Yeah. So do do you still all um pandemic aside, do like the big Christmas dinner get together at the end of the year type of thing we get on a lot better than we did um (laughs) we I enjoy family get-togethers I uh, 10 years ago I'm not sure if me and my brother would have said the same thing (laughs) that's growing up right that's maturing yeah I think so it takes time 
I understand <laughs> that. I have two brothers, uh, and I can I get along with my younger brother exceptionally well now, and we are so different. Actually, I'm the black sheep of the family. So 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 different, but we do get along really really well now. But again, 10, 15 years ago, it makes you value it more, doesn't it? I think. Yeah, it really does. And I, and I I like to think and I mean this is the the kind of things you hear from everyone over the last 18 months is that people are valuing that even more now because we don't have access to be able to rock up and see each other quite so easily these days. Um and I hope I hope people learn from that and and that continues when things become normal whatever that looks like again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting what a pandemic can do. Yeah, positives and negatives. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, excuse my ignorance, but what with the why the army? Why the army, sorry? Why the army over the Air Force, Navy, what am I missing? Navy SEALs. Oh, that's it. Um, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> why 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 the army? So I was 16 and doing work experience. And obviously, so parents had military background. And I thought as a kid, I was like, as in before 10 years old, I was like, oh, I want to be a Royal Marine. And then I realized you couldn't be a Royal Marine. And then from like 10 to 15, oh, girls couldn't be Royal Marines. Like that was just a thing. Um, Is that changed now? uh, I should know the answer to that. I feel like it might not have changed. Right. But I also, I don't think, I don't know. We won't Let's quote you on it. Skip over that. <laughs> <laughs> um, age 10 to 16, zero interest in the military whatsoever. And then when I was 16, we had to do a week's work experience at school. And I thought, oh, like I might, I'd done a week as a teacher and I, it was very average. And I yeah. wanted to spend a week with a vet, but there was no local vets that would have me because my admin was bad and I hadn't asked. It was like two months time. And so my, my, um, I literally had no, basically had no other options except to go back to this primary school. And my dad was like, well, I'll just ask the physio because I'm going to see her tomorrow. And and this is one where my my parents definitely helped me like, they would I can't think of any other example where they did something for me like this but this was something that my dad like physically facilitated um and so I did four days at this army base doing physio and that like day two I was like I want to be an army physio like it wasn't like I want to be a physio and maybe I'll join the army it was like I want to be an army physio full stop and so before I even started university I'd applied to the army and then in that first year, I realised that you can't actually apply to do army physio until you've graduated. So I basically <laughs> pestered, pestered them for three years and then that didn't get me anywhere. And so I joined like this, um, they do basically cadets at university. So I did that and then joined the reserves while I was at uni as because I found it really fun and I thought it would help get in. Yeah. And then once I'd finished university, I was like, okay, cool, I can now apply. And so then it was a bit of a seamless process then because I had shown that I was pretty dedicated to the cause. <laughs> That's hilarious. Because it, so it wasn't about the grand scheme of army or what it could, you know, what direction it could take you. It was literally, I want to do that. It was like, I physio is really cool, 
and it's cool because these people are really cool and I want to help these people and it was and I didn't open my eyes to what else there was it was like I can help the the fittest people in reality probably not the fittest people But you, you, can definitely, yeah, yeah. you can definitely say that as a professional driver. That is fair. Yeah. Um, and and in doing so, it's opened my eyes into like just pain psychology. And I think maybe that's where the psychology yeah. sort of interest came is like my first job was at Headley Court, which is a big famous rehab centre. It's now transitioned to somebody somewhere else called Stanford Hall, but it was where it was very, very busy when we were active in Iraq and Afghanistan. And but as well as all of those war injuries, it then became somewhere where it was like super, super complex brain injuries or pain, where pain had just got worse and worse and worse and wasn't really treatable through the normal mechanisms. And so, yeah, I worked with some occupational therapists, psychologists, mental health, you know, assistants and some very experienced physios very early on. And so it wasn't just, oh, sore knee, you're going to do some quad exercises. It was like, oh, how are we going to discuss this as an injury and how does it affect you? Sort of that sort of side of physio, which I now really love. What? Ah, okay. So I'm... Not that I wasn't interested before. I have been interested in what you've been saying about physio. Um, but it's just, it struck a chord with me because recently I saw a physio um, like a few months ago. I've always had a bad back and a bad neck. Um, and that, me saying that to this new physio was straight away, he was just like, someone who walks in and says, I've always, always. had this. Yeah. Um, and I've just had to manage it and it got, my neck got really bad. Um, it was kind of in the middle of our lockdown here. Um, and I've walked in and he's asked me all these questions and I've burst into tears and I, I was like, I'm well aware that this is stress related because we're not earning money, all this kind of stuff. And the more he kept talking about it, he then just talked me through how the brain it, it's about trying to rewire your brain. So when I, and you just jump in if I get any of this wrong, because I'm still learning all about it, but I find it fascinating. He's like, you've had an injury, but your way of dealing, because I had actually hurt myself a while ago, uh, quite quite a few years ago. He's like, you actually don't have anything physically, biomechanically wrong with you. Your neck, you're not going to do any damage. You don't, don't have a disc bulge, but your brain is wide that when this happens, that's what it's telling you. So it's telling you that you have a disc bulge and that you're in all this pain. And he didn't touch me. I saw him three times, didn't touch me once, and my neck was fixed because he he basically was trying to teach me how to rewire my brain. Does, is what I'm saying making sense to you? Yeah, and I wouldn't dare contradict you because it's obviously worked for you. So what, however you've decided okay. that it, that you've processed that information, that's worked. Yeah. And that's the biggest yeah. thing. It's it's that you've understood what your body needs and your head needs to like reassure itself that you are you aren't in any danger of this pain yes. that you were feeling. Yes, because pain is a danger signal. Like it's a way of saying, "Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah." It's fascinating. And then he was telling me stories about you know this big burly guy who had he he was on a a work site and there was a nail gun and it went through his shoe and he thought it had gone through his foot and was riling around in pain went to the emergency hadn't touched him 
but he thought he was in so much pain. So it's like pain psychology. And I like I clearly don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm learning all this stuff. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. But that yeah, sounds like a lot like you've done that as a career. It's so cool. But it, it's, it's cool really to cool. be able to it's not something that you've learned and then you can you you're you're constantly evolving how mm. you are able to talk and communicate it as well. So mm. the, the the best people are able to not just have one way of communicating it with one person. It's about it's about complete reactivity to the way that that person talks to you about it. Um, and it, is it yeah. relatable to triathlon? Yes, massively. Because yep. if you think about, oh no, I feel really tired. And then you realize that you've had all your nutrition, you're pushing the power that you know you can. You're like, well, it can't be that bad. And you crack and you just carry on. So I think it's it's those it is applicable, um, especially on the run. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And this it clearly this is like this gives you let's not talk about it too much because this is giving you the inside yeah. edge, right? I don't want to tell too many people. <laughs> they can read it if they want I like I I pride myself on trying to share as much information as possible rather than being one of those athletes who that has these like secret weapons and doesn't share it actually Sky um Maunch came up to me as we were walking to the race transitions like the start and she's like I'm using your nutrition plan I've been really like I was like oh cool you know like the stuff I've been putting out on social media is helping other people as well which is really cool that's awesome yeah. And, and Sky, Sky's no, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think it was about. Athlete. Yeah. And mm. I just, it's just cool. And so many people ask me about the rice thing that I, it's not abnormal. It's nothing special. And I've got it from a nutritionist that I was working with who's on, like, on my social media as well. So it's, I think it's just adapt and adjust. I like it. We'll keep sharing because clearly people are interested. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> And if they're not, who gives a shit? If it makes you happy, awesome. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mate, this has been fantastic. Um, I, I'm very well aware that uh, we've been going for over an hour and you probably need another coffee because you've been up really early. Yeah, really early. It's like <laughs> half past eight, eight in the morning and most people are at work. But I've only had a, a decaf tea, so I'll be a on the coffee soon. Tea? How did you not have, have a coffee? I try and have a decaf one first because I feel like then you're not messing up your circadian rhythm. Oh, look out. If you're up, so many up really early and then you to utilise caffeine like next in the mid-morning when you actually need, you know, like, okay, right, I've got a swim to do, so had a coffee, go. So I sh- the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is not go to the coffee shop and get a coffee is what <laughs> Don't Every, everybody's individual <laughs> <laughs> um cat thank you so so much for joining me at late notice at stupid o'clock in the morning for you uh <laughs> it's been really nice um we haven't had an opportunity to connect you know very much um so it's been really nice getting to know you a lot better yeah you too Steph. really good thanks uh, this will go out later this week and everyone can learn all the ins and outs of Cat Matthews. Forget about the rye. <laughs> That's going to be the name of the podcast. Get rid of the rye. No, no, because then that goes against what I've been saying about how important my family is to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like the opposite of the name. 
I've just pissed off your entire family. Sorry. Probably just my dad. This is fine. (laughs) Yep. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much. Really looking forward to seeing how, well, the rest of your career, but particularly this year, um, if I don't speak to you face-to-face virtually uh, before Kona, all the very best. Uh, An exciting year for you, that is for sure. Yeah, definitely. I can't wait. Oh, well, I look forward to seeing I look forward to seeing you there. Well, who Maybe. knows if I can actually be there. It all just okay. depends on what happens with our Aussie borders. Um of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I'd like lo- Oh, is that coffee? It's an oat milk flat white, I think. Oh my Look goodness. Definitely Fancy. keep him around. Definitely. I know, right? It's a great husband. <laughs> <laughs> I love that it's a flat white as well. That's very Australian. I know. I mean, there's no latte art, but we're working on that. Yeah. And when I say we're working on that, we're actually not. We couldn't give a shit about latte art. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Like, who cares about art? Straight. I'm not looking. Well, especially at takeaways as well. No one's looking at what's in the cup. Just give it. It's just a barista. It's a barista's way of like you know putting their mark on something. And I, but I, I appreciate that. I just don't need to spend my time doing it. I watch enough YouTube videos about it. (laughs) Fair enough. We don't want to upset the baristas of the world because they keep us sane. True. Very true. True. (laughs) Uh, As you can tell, I am rubbish at wrapping up podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) I just, because I get to the end, I'm like, oh, I want to keep, oh, let's talk about that. Yep. No, people are time poor. They've got things to do. And I'm sure you've got to go and swim, swim, bike or run. Yeah. Yeah go do your thing. Thanks for tuning in. Please make sure you hit subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are using. Leave us a comment. It gives us some feedback, but also helps with our podcast ranking. But above all else, keep yourselves knee deep in awesomeness and we'll speak to you in the next episode.